we're live. All right, back with episode 19 of World's Strongest Opinions. And joining us again, well, actually, last time I think we joined uh, Joe, uh, but it's Yanni Bear and Joe Jenga from Gym Life. And Yanni, it, your, your podcast is just just Yanni, right? No, it's Strong Personalities. Oh, strong Personalities. Why did I think that was just Yanni? My it's bad. Because so. I, haven't, I haven't created a page specifically for the podcast like y'all have, so y'all are Y'all are ahead of me on that one. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's why. Yeah. So, strong personalities, gym life, and world's strongest opinions back together for a reunion episode. How are you guys doing? Doing great. You know, that was so much fun the first time we got together. We all had a very good chemistry, and we can always appreciate that, certainly doing all these podcasts that we do. So, to be able to do this again with some fellow podcasters, this was something I was really looking forward to. And it was a shame we couldn't do it sooner because, John, I know you were trying to push it up the calendar. And thanks to Darren, of course, we couldn't get together any sooner than this in his new job. But I can tell you this is something I didn't want to miss. Yeah. Yeah, we're glad you're back. Heck yeah. Yanni, how are you doing, man? I am doing really good. I'm excited to start. Um, this is like my first podcast like in a month. So this is going to be my uh, on-ramp on getting back on track with some of the interviews and um uh, events that i'm going to be filming here soon once the competitive season starts going again now that now that we're slowly getting out of a winter winter rut that everybody avoids those competitions <laughs> yeah we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about um we'll probably do it sort of in order i think of the way the competitions are going i know um ragnarok games is going on right now I, still i think is it not john uh, it's day one finished up. Uh, day one day just finished up. Okay. Tomorrow. Okay. Um, we can do a little review. I'm going to lean on you, John, for that. Cause I know you've been watching it. Um, yeah. and our, and our friend, the Greek Goliath is competing today. Um, uh, posted an, an amazing, amazing interview video. <laughs> I missed that. I kind of caught it. Yeah. Oh man. If you haven't seen it, you gotta go check it out. It's, it's dynamite. Yeah. I, I mean, he's throwing he's throwing the WWF rock personality down, man. Uh, and perfect. Nailed it. Uh, but we're going to talk about a little bit about Ragnarok. Um, we'll talk a little about the Arnold Cl- uh, Strongman Classic that's coming up very, very quickly. Um, probably go through our picks and, you know, what we who we think is going to make the podium. And then Clash, Clash on the Coast is coming up. After yeah. that, and the, I've heard the the news, Yanni, you're going to MC, which is huge. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited. Three days at um, Hilton Head, so I'm excited. I'm ready for this. Dude, Hilton Head is amazing. I'm I'm bummed that I'm not going this year. I hit the first two years. I got to skip a year, but I hope to be back next year. You're gonna have to give me the food recommendations. I'll tell you, Yanni. Um, Yanni, I'm, I'm dude, going out good. there, so I'll, I'll be out there with you. Well, I really? Let's go. Yeah, I talked. Make to sure uh, last week. I'm gonna go out there. Yeah. Make sure you guys rent a car if you don't drive out because the uh, the the Uber situation there is non-existent. Yeah, I'm driving. Are you flying, Yanni? Or are you driving? I'm flying. Okay. Well, there you go. I got a car. There you go. There we go. <laughs> and then and then after class, we'll we'll touch on world's strongest man. Um, on the roster and, and picks for that. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
let's kick it off with Ragnarok games. John, give us a give us a rundown. So, I mean, I it was interesting getting the live stream because I mean, with a huge roster like that, I was assuming they were going to do like kind of a panoramic view, show all the lanes, kind of like OSG did and stuff. Um, but instead, they chose an interesting approach of not having like any scores on the screen and stuff and doing more kind of theatrical recordings of everyone of like the example we showed of like um, Nico's interview there. That's what the whole thing's like, essentially, is just focusing on one athlete at a time, which is confusing when you have four lanes going to only like, I mean, they jump between athletes and stuff, but it's it's an interesting format because I think it'll definitely like, I mean, we've talked about, it. it'll be a great post-production thing if they put it all together in kind of like a nice little one or two hour video, kind of like um, the Shaw Classic did the first year. And so I'm just kind of having those highlights, but um overall it seemed pretty impressive and for my friends who were there it seemed to have been a fun show for them so hopefully it seems to have gone off well like so far i hadn't heard very many complaints i don't know if you all had talked to anyone but it seemed to be doing well um nico got his wish of going head to head with jacob finnerty so they've been kind of neck and neck um, mm -hmm. right now nico's sitting in fourth place uh finnerty's sitting at third place so that was interesting i was surprised to see that the women's pro category only had one person in it nadia sowers so that was a surprise to see there and then that's always a bummer when there's only yeah. one person I mean, especially at that level you'd like to believe that there would be a, a much larger group do you think it's because a majority of the a majority of the, like the pro level women are getting ready for arnold's I think so. I think they kind of like aid into each other. Like a lot of, at least here in Texas, they'll like have all their shows right near each other enough that if anyone takes competing seriously, they can't do. You yeah, you know what? And I, show. I, I think too that, and I brought this up on that sort of uh, top shows of 2023 or shows to look out for. I think there's a lot of uncertainty about Ragnarok a little bit. And that's not a knock on uh, Ralph at all and what he's trying to do down there. Obviously, the proof's going to be in the pudding when this show's done with. But I think there was a little bit of reservation by a large part of the community to kind of wrap its arms around this event. It was a little bit different. A lot of the names that you were seeing kind of that were coming onto that competitor's roster early, I, again, I, I made reference, I didn't recognize a lot of them at all, almost like they were coming from a lot of different corridors of the lifting community as opposed to what we're used to seeing, this big sort of, you know, a pathway of athletes into like one particular event. Um, you know, I think that made a lent to sort of the, maybe the, 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 I guess you could say kind of the, maybe not the roar about this event that maybe we all thought maybe it should have got if it was going to be as big as it is right now. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? Was that kind of the same way you, you took it, Darren? Yeah, um, I'm guilty. I, I don't know the promoter. Um, I, I didn't really recognize anything. And yeah, you know, I mean, I, I got, I got invited or asked to come several times and, and I kind of turned it down because I didn't know what the, uh, I mean, there's no history really there. Um, you know, unfortunately the promoter promoter is not somebody that's well known in the sport. I don't think, um, I mean, they certainly don't, didn't have the, um, Oh, what do I want to say? The, he's not as well known as like a Furman, right? Anthony Furman who came and started clash and, and was able to drum up a lot of, 
a lot of energy and a lot of uh, excitement, you know, especially amongst pro athletes. So, so yeah, I mean, I kind of tied away from it. I, I couldn't have competed anyway, um, various reasons. Uh, but yeah, I kind of got that impression too, that a lot of people shied away for similar reasons. Um, like you said, we weren't seeing any, any real big names popping up on the rosters early on. And yeah, I mean, that's tough. Like for, for a promoter who's doesn't have a lot of experience or, uh, isn't well known to come out and try to put on a big show, uh, you know, first year, like you said, we'll find out when it's all said and done proof will be in the pudding. If it's, you know, if it's, it's a good quality show, everybody's happy, you know, they follow through with all their promises. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll be back next year and, and hopefully it'll create some excitement. You know, if not, it'll, you know, it'll go by the wayside, like, like a lot of others before it, but you know, hopefully, hopefully it adds to the, to the circuit, if you will, of big shows for, for, um, especially American strongman to compete at. So, well, he certainly didn't pull any punches. I felt he brought that Viking singer guy in, which I thought was real cool. And, the convention center and being where he's at and a lot of the judging yep. that he brought in, he tried to reach out to a larger part of the community as well. So the effort's certainly there. Uh, so yeah, yep. I, like I said on my show, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for this to kind of come out in the end, but I, I, it, we can all appreciate another big show. If, if this happens to be that next show, I'd, I'd love to see it. So that's kind of where I'm at with it now. Yeah. I think it was, there was some skepticism. Hopefully the prize pots will actually pay out like they did, because if that's, one thing that was impressive, like if you hopefully Nadia for all, putting her reputation on the line, supporting the show and everything, she surely should be getting that $10,000 check that they said the first place yeah. would get for pro women, because that's also a big not thing that I'm not a fan of is when promoters will promise this kind of thing. And then when there's not enough people, they're like, oh, we're not going to pay out cash because there weren't enough people to compete. And it's like, you can't, you can't really do that. But, but the one thing I will touch on, and I think would exponentially improve most strongman um, live streams, is having kind of a multi-cam setup, but having them each linked to their own individual live stream. Like it would be a bit of a complicated thing for some people, but I think almost doing something where what would be kind of even like this of essentially having four people call in and having a camera for each lane rather than doing a wide thing or a group thing something like that, or doing a dedicated stream yard stream per a lane would be pretty great. Well, I could answer that question. Why you haven't seen that yet is the technology doesn't meet that requ yeah. request yet. Yeah. Oof. And I talk to Don with ADL all the time. And if I'm not going to misquote you, Don, right now, or misrepresent you with what I'm trying to spill out here, because I'm not as technologically savvy, of course, but from what I understand in working with like in player and some of these platforms like ADL works with you, essentially, if you were to do that, you'd have to create a separate asset for every single lane out there. Uh, you, you're limited. So as a viewer, then you would have to commit to a specific lane and then keep purchasing or committing to other lanes after you've kind of gone through the one or two cameras per maybe that particular look that you're getting. And then of course you'd have to set it up then, from a commentary standpoint and also sort of a, uh, uh, you know, if you were working with cameramen, for instance, everybody would almost be at separate live stream at that event. So logistically it's a nightmare. And that, oh, I yeah. think they kind of discovered that in a lot of different ways throughout the last couple of years. But from what I understand, <laughs> that's the bigger hang up with something like this. The technology is not quite there. It is, but it's not convenient for the viewers. What I'm getting. Pro at. 
probably not accessible either for a small price. Cause right. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, NFL managers do it, but they also have $14 billion yeah. and something to play with. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they're using their own satellite. I'm sure they developed their own platforms. I mean, you know, they, they built their programming to be specifically for what they want. And for any promoter, whether it's Ralph from Ragnarok Games or Colin Bryce, for that matter, boy, the return on that isn't what we think it is. And I'll tell you from a guy, and Yanni, you could probably be one to speak about this more than I can because you've been live streaming for quite some time now as well, that this is not, it doesn't pay off, guys. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's a very difficult thing to turn a dime on. And, uh, you know, when you see those pay-per-view events, it's like a gamble. It's a big fingers crossed. Because like you mentioned earlier, Darren, sadly, a lot of our strongman community doesn't support the strongman community. So you're just not getting a lot of that kickback that you think from doing things like that and going out on a limb to kind of put yourself out there financially. Yanni, you're, any experience with that kind of thing? Yeah, so uh, I want to I want to piggyback on what you were saying. So the reason I think we're not seeing that big um, reimbursement in the money that we put into the live streaming. It's, I think it's because we still have a lot of the athletes that we're seeing coming into strongman. They're not sure yet if this is like a full-time commitment because there's been a lot of competitions where I've commentated or emceed and people are doing it for the first time. And some of them are just honest with me. They're like, yeah, this is just a one-time thing. I just wanted to try it. Um, or maybe they're just giving themselves a little break from powerlifting or from Olympic weightlifting. Sometimes it's, it's being used as a break. So I think that's why you potentially don't see. And I think also once we get, we have to get the competitions to be smaller, uh, uh, smaller bites uh, like clash and yeah. some of these other programs that are just doing like one or two weight classes at most. So that way you can sit down two to three hours, see everybody compete real quick. And then I think that's when you're going to really start seeing the big investment. Yeah. yeah. I've been, I've been, saying something similar for a long time to Yanni is uh, it's got to be consumable by the audience, right? If you want to build an audience, it, it's, it's impossible to watch these, you know, 10 plus class shows that are all out on the, out on the field at the same time. I mean, yeah, they're, they're really efficient from a promoter standpoint. Um, you know, if you want to do that many classes, but you know, uh, from a viewer standpoint, if you want to grow the audience, it's got to be, there's got to be consumable uh, or, you know, uh, there's got to be better communication, especially, you know, John already talked about scoring and, and it's, and it's odd to me that, that we're a, uh, we're a sport that's been around, you know, 40 some years and we still suck at communicating score to the odds, right? Yes. <laughs> Most competitions, you're clueless. And, and, you know, I said this to John earlier that nothing nothing turns me away more than not knowing what the fuck is going on, right? It's certainly Sorry, an ahead, enigma Joe. for sure. Does Iron Podium have I don't they don't provide live scoring yet, do they? That's not the like the USAPL Ironcast, right? Or Powerlifting's Ironcast? Um Iron Podium is actively updated, like it, but it depends on like the promoter needs to actively be putting things in. Okay, so I can't, you, I can't bring that over to my link, is what I'm saying. Like I can't with the Powercast. I think um, technically it would be a little bit awkward, but what I've yeah. seen is like if you can kind of just like get a banner and just kind of scroll through it manually, almost. Yeah, right, right. right. So, so, so there's an alternative. Yeah. There's an alternative out there called Strength Results, and they actually have a plugin. Uh, already built in their website for streaming live scores in a live stream. Um, I don't know how it works exactly. You'd have to talk to um, the guy behind it and, and 
man, I can't say his name right now, Swedish guy. Um, really great dude, doing really great things in Europe for Strongman. But there's there's an alternative to Iron Podium that, you know, I think in a lot of ways um, really outperforms it because it also collects uh, all of the scoring data on athletes and, and creates sort of a um, living – um leaderboard if you will from world records to you know everything and, and put some legitimate athletic stats out for for fans to to uh compare what was yeah. it what was yeah. it called it's called strength results strength results so um we used it at feats of strength uh, a couple of years ago december 21 when we did the under 105 uh, Atlas Stone World Record, uh, where Josh Isley and Adam Dirks tied for the world record, still stands. Um, and I, SCL, when I was at SCL in 21, uh, under 105 World Championship, they used it there too. Um, it's a great system. Did we lose Joe? We lost Joe. Joe! The, the, Joe! the dark consumed him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where'd he go? This is, um, it's the risk of, of being in the dark, Yanni. Oh, well, I think he was in his car, too. Yeah, so he was. Unfortunately. <laughs> and then the reason I like to be in the dark is because the last couple of times I've live streamed and my dogs are in the back, they always seem to do something random in the background, and then that's what people comment on. That's awesome. So John's can... cats do that, too. Yeah. They like to sit on that little cat tree. There. Oh, <laughs> No, so I uh, so one of the things, Darren, that I was thinking about when you said that the smaller weight classes, um, yeah, smaller, like picking one or two weight classes for show, I think that would also help the competitions not eating away at each other's competitors. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, because there is this bigger is better mentality out there right now. That you know, and I've been a part of some of those bigger shows, and you're probably right. It would be, it would be nice to see some of these shows become a smaller cap opportunity, just to try to produce a better, well, production overall. And I, I would like to see that kind of start happening again a little bit as well. But then if you listen to a couple of things I mentioned on my last show, that commitment's got to be there from these athletes. And that's another thing, you know, not to not to snipe the show here, but another thing that I've been seeing a lot of and hearing from with a lot of these promoters right now is the commitment of athletes they're getting and this last minute sort of pullout of many of them that are kind of preventing their thought process to kind of go in the direction of producing a smaller event with risk of not having then enough competitors per class to actually pull off something that's a national qualifier along those lines. Yeah, it's tough. When we did, so when we did feats of strength, we ended up with four, including myself. Um, I was shooting for eight. So we ended up with 50% of the people yeah. because I mean, guys got hurt, you know, life happens, all kinds of things. Right. I don't think anybody pulled out cause they didn't want to. Um, right. just like happens. And, and that's kind of the logistics of, you know, we've talked about that before, you know, ideally having a world record, uh, event, we want to have the best people in the world there, but the logistics of getting everybody in the world to one place at the same time is, it's tough, man. Yeah. It's Very definitely true. a challenge. Cause like, I mean, Cam was saying he'd love to compete against CJ Pierce, but it's hard to like overlap with certain athletes. So it's one of these things where you'd have a show that's like the biggest and it's like not always everyone's there, which is why shout out to Luke Davies and chaos strength. Like, well, and I think that's that, well, there you just said it too, John. I, I think, I think there's a perfect example of what I'd like to see a little bit more 
go on from a promoter standpoint is a promoter not being able, even at the smaller level, the smaller amateur level, take on a show that's specific to just a couple of weight classes. Don't feel like you have to accommodate all, what is it, seven, eight weight classes that Strongman provides and just say, hey, this show, maybe do two a year and have a couple, two or three, two, four, maybe in any given event, as opposed to trying to take on, you know, that big sort of swath of athletes to try to make your event accommodate, you, you know, the whole, you could even, you could even go for like a seasonal thing. Like one yeah. season's for like the lightweights, the next season is for the middleweights. And then that way you have built in time for people to recover and get healthy. Cause right now, since sure. every, there's so many competitions that are, and they're all trying to do all the weight classes, <laughs> I think that goes to what Darren was saying that a lot of them are pulling out just because they're trying to squeeze in so many competitions back to back. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, spitballing here. It's like a big it. it really is. Yeah. Dar Darren's idea. I mean, Darren's been a big proponent of just having like two weight classes for men of like under one Oh five and then over one Oh five or just like an open See, class at the pro level well, or just I'm all across. You know, even at the pro level, so I'm a huge fan of kind of the traditional old school mindset. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm literally a strongman boomer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's your when I started, there was two weight classes. Yeah. There was two weight classes. It was lightweight, which was under 105k, and it was open. Yeah. And and the whole point of under 105k was a stepping stone to the open. You were expected to move on, right? It was never expected to be a career weight class. And that all kind of changed, started changing. I, I can't remember the exact year, but it was early, you know, it was like 2010, 2012-ish. Um, you know, a lot of the lighter people that wanted to be competitive and strongman started speaking up, got enough um, enough support and convinced Dion to start creating weight classes. And that's really where all those you know, under 90 or under 200, under, you know, 180, whatever it is in the men's and 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 the women's lighter weight classes all kind of came from because traditionally for the longest time strongman was meant to be a big guy sport big person sport right it was never meant to be um you know these under 200 guys and nothing against them those guys were great athletes um and and i kind of sometimes make the argument that that if you're under two if you want to compete under 200 pounds and i'm not saying this as, as a negative or a knock go do crossfit it's, oh, it's seriously those guys under that. 200 oh my God. all those guys are under 200 and they're yes. they're fitter they're just as strong they're faster right go go do something that's that, that you can be very competitive at um and you know i think strongman is should really revert back to the you know the the, the monster trucks of racing right that's the way i look at as strongman <laughs> oh no yeah, like, you're in trouble now, man. Wait, I was, I was like, fucking nineties and eighty guys. <laughs> I was like, hey. no, definitely. yeah, we've already. I was like, I, I'm, I'm actually even kind of trashing on my weight class. Like, I don't think I would have ever stayed uh, 105. Um, had you know, I mean, it was a, it was a conscious choice, right? It was my decision. I take responsibility for it, but you know, I stayed at 105 because there were some promises of, of. Um, you know, opportunity and whatever way back when that never really came to fruition. And, you know, now I'm in my forties, there's no way I'm going to put that weight on now, but, um, you know, I have to reflect back and think, you know, I probably should have just went heavy and, and went all out, but. 
Well, I, 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 I would for a guy. Go ahead, Johnny. I'm I'm totally against that though. Just going back to the heavyweights because for the sport to grow, you have to be a little bit yeah. inclusive. We can find a home for everybody. It's just being organized about it um, to build up the sport that way. Um, Cause I don't want to just send any, it's like football, right? Like if you look at football in the 1920s, if you looked at all the, uh, all the people that were playing, they were all about the same body type sizes and everything. And as the sport developed, you had different body types and that's what makes the sport great because you have all these different body types for their specific positions. And the same thing was uh strong man. You're going to have the different weight classes that you're going to kind of see different um, strengths come out of like what they can and can't do. And I'm not going to lie. It is sometimes a little bit more impressive to see somebody that, you know, can deadlift 700 pounds at <laughs> under 200 pounds versus the guy that weighs 300 pounds and then can be doing 700 pounds plus. Does that make sense? It's, I think it's more relatable to the, to the audience um, to see these more attainable bodies. And Joe didn't have, Joe needs to quit running away when he disagrees with us. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so for me, I feel like it, we should, we shouldn't like push away anybody um, because there is a place that we can find. We just have to do it efficiently in a way that they can um, help grow the sport. Cause I can understand Darren, like sometimes you feel like it kind of takes away because there's so many people and we're trying to crunch in as much TV time as we can or streaming time. And I can see where that does take away, but there, there's, there's a, there's a balance. There's a sweet spot. Um, like I, I was about to tell Joe earlier, I feel like strong man's going through. It's like puberty, you know, it's like awkward right now it's growing, but it's a little awkward. Um, and we're, we're, we're trying to find it's like, professional future right now yeah so i, I mean yeah, I, I, I'm gonna, I agree with that 100 i'm gonna retort okay, back at you yanni <laughs> um i think i think money money talks and the audiences are spending their money on all the all the big guys right and i mean it's great like i, I don't want to push anybody away I, i'm not saying we should push anybody away just i think there's some some objective truths out there that that you know we as hard as we try the lower the weight classes, like I'm not knocking anybody. This is just reality. The the lighter the weight classes, the less the less they're watched. Um, people are interested in the big freak shows. That's where the money goes. That's where the audience is. Um, it's just an unfortunate reality of the sport. But that's because it's been around the longest. Like that's that's the bread and butter, right? Like that's the bread and butter of the strongman sport. But as the sport grow, maybe you don't want bread and butter. Maybe you want a croissant. Maybe you want, I, I'm just saying like you, you I mean, the future, to, the future can prove me wrong. Uh, you I, think will. <laughs> I think it will. I think, you, I think you'll always be right that the big bodies are always going to dominate the sport. But like any business that, you know, starts off with like two or three items, it eventually has to expand to uh, have a better reach across different palettes that people want to see. And support, yeah. and I think so. And again, my perspective is the strong man, right? The the kind of the spirit of that sport it is the strongest man. That's where it derived at. And it's not that people don't want to see lighter athletes because CrossFit again is all much lighter athletes is yep. one of the hugest, uh, most uh, uh, watched strength sports on the planet. Yeah, I, I think. Listen, I think there's going to be a growth in this sport that's going to take a lot longer than those of us who are kind of getting a little bit antsy trying to see sort of this explosion of strongman take place and thinking that should have happened in the last, you know, 10 years, Darren, since you made mention of the 231 class sort of 
and and that heavy sort of 105 heavyweight open class that strongman was kind of divided like the Red Sea with there for a long time. I could tell you just to comment on that real quick because I came up kind of when you did through the sport as well. At five foot ten, I got up like three hundred and twenty-five pounds to try to compete with those fuckers. Damn. I'm telling you, man, it was just hard. It was hard. I mean, yeah. I wanted to compete so bad with these big guys, but it just got to the point where I don't care who you are. It, it, you, if you're not six foot three, six foot one at least, you you just can't grow into the sport. And so, personally, I'm grateful that we've taken off in this other direction. But ultimately. I think you're both right to some degree. I, I, I know that the consumership out there is so used to seeing these giants and that's who they gravitate towards. However, I think that if in order for this sport to grow, it's got to be inclusive. I think we could go in a controversial direction because I've been thinking about oh, this Lord. a lot recently. More than Darren? Yes, this, this is more controversial than Darren's. It's instead of weight classes, it's just men is this over a challenge, six feet. John? It's just men over six feet and men under six feet. No weight classes. Oh, it's but, just pure height. What's your logic? No there? weight class. Hey, that's the way like ultimate no, ultimate no fighting was way back in the day. Yeah. No weight cuts. It's just like pure strength because there are all, amazing all people out there. Pascari, he's he's incredible. Dude, he wants like, to. He would, yeah. dude. Pascari, even Nick. I mean, Nick Camby's put on some weight now. I mean, he's a. Uh, He's he's a beefcake now, but I mean, they even at under one hundred and five, he was very he could have been very competitive against those guys. But but here's here's my closing thought on on this, is that I would never want to watch baby monster trucks. Okay, I, I can't. I can't oh, no. <laughs> that's 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 the strongest opinion we've ever had. I was like, oh, oh that's a strong I, opinion. I, oh shit! I just I love wanted it. to try to be. I feel like she went up me, John. <laughs> be more controversial than me. <laughs> yeah, because oh, I think shoot. I think uh, um, I think we are onto something though of like trying to have seasons for these things because it's essentially like. There's a reason why college athletics, they don't put all their sports in the same season. You just be eating into your audience and the people are paying to do it and stuff. And I think it's, there's a variety of things that people can do. I think one thing is maybe taking the scoring a bit more seriously because I think I only understand what's happening in the strongman competition because I understand the scoring system and I like pay attention. Yeah. But to the average person, like tuning into the Ragnarok games, there's no name tags, no scoring. I simply have to know the athletes based on what they look or if the announcer mentions it. And I have to count the reps as I'm watching it, which if you're only showing one athlete at a time, I only know how that one athlete is doing at that time. So I think, I think it's a combination of things. And I think I hear promoters a lot of times talking about they don't have enough athletes signing up. And it's like, at least here in Texas, March 25th and 26th, we have five different national qualifiers within like 150 miles of each other within three hour drive. It's like, I think a part of it comes down to, and we recently had uh, one of our fans message us on Instagram about this, but we have an issue where as a state rep, it should be your job to make sure that there's no Comp there's not more than one competition per weekend just to help the athletes and help everyone Absolutely. instead. Yeah. And I think there's a, like, it was bizarre to me to realize in Texas, you have like four events on the same weekend and then the weekend before there's nothing happening in Texas. And you're like, why? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, so I think a part of it is, 
I mean, and we've touched on it in a previous episode, is I think USS and Strongman Corp sometimes, specifically USS needs to think more from a business aspect of like what will help things grow rather than just letting everyone just do the Wild West. It is Texas. Don't get me wrong. There just has to be some standards, right? Yeah. There just has to be some standards, and that's one of those standards. But, I mean, you're on you're on to something, though, I mean, as far as, like, I, I'm, I, again, going back to, you know, if we want to grow this, growth of the sport means something different to everybody, it seems, right? I mean, some people think the growth of the sport means more athletes. Um, you know, I've always been a, a more of a, had more of a mindset that growth, real growth is in the audience, right? Because with the audience brings more sponsor opportunities because of greater ROI, right? And that's the way you bring money into the sport. And so going right back to, you know, we this, the sport as a whole, especially in the, in the U.S., needs to start thinking more about how to make it more attractive to an audience. And, and big, crazy-ass uh, implements, I don't think is it. Um, cause some, I mean, some people, I mean, like we saw in Australia, while it looked like a great competition and the competitors loved it. Um, some of that stuff was just an eyesore, man. Uh, I couldn't, I, I, I was so focused on this big contraption. I wasn't watching the athlete. Right. Um, so, but I mean, there's so many things. Score sharing is huge. I mean, having interaction, um, with the, with the audience, right. There's got to be, um, they have to feel engaged, Right. Uh, those those uh, athlete interviews. That's the one thing I do like that out of Ragnarok is getting to see an interview with the athlete. Like that's huge. Like, how do we know who we're watching anything about them? I mean, they're just they're just you know uh, people with out on the field doing things, right? If we don't get an opportunity to hear hear from them, so I think there's a lot a lot of things that promoters can change and be better at to attract the, the audience, which in turn attracts the sponsors, attracts the money. And that is what's going to help the sport grow at all weight classes. Definitely. I'll and just, I'll so. just say this one last thing. Cause I know we got a lot to talk about here today. <laughs> um, I, I know we, us four, we'll get off on a tangent. Like we're not even doing a show, you know, I, we did it last time on, on, on when I, we, I hosted, but I will say that you're, you're right there. And I totally agree with you. We, the promoters have to get more creative in creating value and providing information. And this live streaming thing is going to get itself worked out. I guarantee it will. People understand that it's not just going to be about the live stream, but what that live stream is going to produce for them, including the information it's going to produce, not just the competition yeah. itself. That's one. Two, of course, are like you'd mentioned, these athlete interviews and all the stuff that we're kind of participating in as well. That is kind of lending to all that. And of course, now Yanni, you going out to clash and Tyler reaching out to me and having me come out there for to lend a little more media to all this stuff. I mean, it, it's it's these creative promoters, these promoters that are understanding that it's going to take more than just putting up a show on Iron Podium, come and spend 100 bucks to go to it. I'll get a few sponsors on board, and I'm going to try to make this better every year without doing anything more than that. So I will say we're starting to see that a little bit. I think we're going to see more. I And I think a part of it, I think there's a very specific reason why Rogue does all their live streams free. Because at the end of the day, most companies and big sponsors, they'd much rather pay, do a large payout if they know they can get thousands and thousands, hopefully millions of views, rather right. than when you're relying on even $24 is what I spent to watch Ragnarok or $25 today. I Looking at the statistics out there, maybe I'm wrong, 
but on a lot of these things, just based on knowing how people pay for things in this sport, I don't know if you're going to get anywhere near like a hundred thousand people paying for that. Whereas, like realistically, as uh, you probably got one hundred and fifty. Yeah, I, and I'm not joking with that number. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that's the main issue is the thing that helps people the most is as a company, are you going to sponsor something that's going to be seen by the athletes and their family and friends who are there and maybe a few hundred people online, or are you going to pay for something that's accessible and that's being shared everywhere? Like paywalls, typically people will point to like MMA and sport sports that do very well with paywalls also have good relationships with gambling and have a lot of money behind them. And the thing is until, until strongman can actually like, maybe we need to get in with like casinos and like start setting up betting platforms where there's money behind it for something like that. I think a part of it, and it sucks like to say that like, there's not going to be money in live streaming, but there will actually be more money because realistically a YouTube live stream, I've watched random political debates on there that get 11,000 views. There are plenty of companies that will actually pay a few thousand dollars for that kind of exposure, Absolutely. even like more. And I, I just think, want to say one more thing. I don't want to hijack this, but oh I want no. to say one more thing because John, this goes exactly where, what you're just talking about just now. I, I do the USAPL live streaming in the state of Michigan right now uh, for USAPL, all 11 events. And when I started the season off, I thought, I'm just going to sell a membership for my live streams. My first two shows, I was getting like 20, 30 live stream, you know, people that were paying for it. And I thought, what's the value here? So my last two shows, I decided just to go free, give people back their membership money. And I'll just live stream it as a YouTube live. And now I'm getting thousands of views. And if you look at the average time of view there, and I know what you guys are all thinking, well, what is your viewership time? I'm averaging about 30 minutes per viewer right now on that. So they're in, they're engaged nice. in the sport. So you're exactly right. I totally agree with that. You know, unless we can allow some gambling to come into strongman, God forbid. I'm not condoning that, Darren. That's you. You can say something like that. I am not. Going Dude, to. I'm not. I'm too smart to gamble. Okay, good. I don't want any part of that. But <laughs> that's the case, only time you'll ever hear me say I'm off. smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done talking about it. But that no, was just I, that was something I thought I'd bring up to what you were just saying. It. And it is valuable because people will, the thing is advertise, like most sponsors are paying because they want eyes on their product and stuff like that. And I think a part of it is I'm not necessarily saying that like you, we need to get gambling in it, but making it more accessible, you'll have people who are generally commit of like, the thing is, especially YouTube smart, because depending on what your status is with YouTube, you can wire it to something where you can get donations and stuff and there are people who pay to have their comments there and also i'll stand by my statement i've said before i would a hundred percent for a live stream pay an extra 15 dollars if i got a push notification when it was andrew clayton or whoever i want to see at the competition if the thing was up and that would be so easy to like do and i think a part of it i think oftentimes there's this idea that like oh we need to make money on the live stream and it's like no, you need to make money on the show and buy, hopefully, if you get enough eyes on the show, you'll actually have sponsors who are willing to pay for that. Because right now, you literally have sponsors sponsoring shows. 
out of the goodness of their hearts That's because right. they're they're not getting any advertising money back from that. And if like we all know how the how the viewing game goes with like YouTube and all these things of like the people who are actually contributing and paying in, they're going to pay regardless. Like they're going to support the thing of like if if I'm watching a live show for free or whatever, I'll try to like buy a shirt or try to support in a general way and stuff. So I and the thing is at that point, if you're doing a pay-per-view, you're only getting the people who are willing to pay for stuff anyways, who would already be paying for stuff to support the show in general. So I know we got on a huge tangent there, but I think it's important because I think it's this bizarre thing to like watch like promoters being like, why aren't people doing our shows? And it's like, they need to be scheduled out better. Maybe say, I'm not saying that we need to be like, I, 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 this is my idea. I like the idea of us being the shark tank of the strongman community. You have to pitch your competition to the four of us and we'll decide whether or not it should be a thing. No, like, no that, oh, that doesn't sound very good. I love it. Yeah. And for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> I'm like, that's the kind of thing we need going on, really. I think well, we namely, don't have our own perspective. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I think a part of it is like, I think there's not very much long-term thinking with it. It's a lot of times like, I here's how much money we can make right now. And it's that idea of like, oh, well, we can make $1,500 in pay-per-view right now. And it's like, there are plenty of sponsors out there who if they knew they could get enough views, they would actually give you that $1,500. They would give you $5,000, like more. Absolutely. Whereas right now you're just relying on people being like, yeah, I think you're a good guy and you're running a show, so I'll give you money. I'm not actually going to get any value back from this, but I'm doing it because I like you. Yeah, and that's not a good way to do business. So Our, that's that's so, we're, so we're we're 41 minutes in, and, we, and we've talked about one competition, <laughs> Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Well, we talk about Ragnarok briefly, and then run on a big old tangent about competition <laughs> parties. Right, so. And we'll, we'll hold truck. ourselves accountable moving forward here. You're right, Yanni. You, I'm sure Yanni did all this research too. I know he did. That's, that's true. the kind of guy he is. I already know he did. So let's yeah. Well, let's 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 uh move on then and and talk about the Arnold classic strongman that's coming up. Um I assume you guys all have the roster or have looked at it. You're you're aware of who's coming. Any I'm, picks, Joe? I'm excited about Mateus. Well, well, yo, yeah, dude, I'm really super excited to see Mateus back. Um, he's been gone too, too damn long. Yeah, 18 months, I think, since his last competition. So, uh, I'm is hoping, it only? Yes, it's been it 18, 18? Months, 18 months. Yeah, since his last competition. It feels it's like it's been years since like COVID started. I feel like yeah. I hadn't seen him. I thought like it was like three years. <laughs> no, from what I was seeing, like he's done other competitions, but then he just kept re-aggravating injuries. So you're right. It could have been the last time he completed one. It's been a couple of years, but 18 months since he was actually at a competition. But I'm excited. Where was, Go where was his last competition? Was he competing in Poland or? Because oh, he hasn't I... done any big shows in, in a few years, has he? I want. I, I want to say it was one like a smaller show in Poland. Okay. Like, it was one. It was something that he was using to ramp up for the bigger competitions. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But yeah, I'm excited to see him because I'm. I'm kind of like fingers crossed. I'm kind of hoping that he's like the Martin of this year, where he comes back from you know a couple of injuries and then he you know he kind of goes on a run like Martin did a couple of years ago or last year was it last year, a couple of years ago. Yeah, two years yeah. ago. 
I think he yeah. took like off a uh, year or whatever. Because mm-hmm. he had a whole string of injuries. He had a car accident. He hurt his hamstring. There's all that stuff. Yep. Everything. Oh, and sorry, Joe, if I keep muting you, it's because there's a weird sound whenever the rest of us are talking. So sometimes I've been muting you. I hope you don't feel like we're. No, no, that's to, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I feel so terrible right now. Anyhow, I couldn't get off of work in time to get in front of a computer. So, um, yeah, no, you do what you got to do, John. I think Mateus working really Saturdays, good. man. That's uh, that's commitment. I know, I know. Yeah, I'll tell you guys where I work on Saturdays later, and you might not think so. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you can use your. I'm sure you can use your. Uh, uh, you know your your imagination. Well, it's um, not midnight, so. I, it's yeah, not, I was about to say where my head went was too early for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, a little little side hustle, you know. I got to get the, I, I get some of the stuff paid for. Clash of the Coast, Yanni, but not all of it. I got to. Oh wait, um, yeah. did you did you have to change out of your out of your pink fur coat before oh, you came on? No, that's yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I, I figured Darren would use his imagination in that direction. <laughs> oh, well, hey, so, there's all. I, I have I one. I have one one place to go, and it's straight in the gutter. It, well, it's the other side of that gutter. Yeah, but it's there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what, anyhow, let's let's stick to let's stick to the to the agenda. Let's stay on the rails this time. <laughs> let, before we, get, yeah, we go on another forty minute rant. All the, all the give it. Give us a give us a little bit of. Give us a little rundown. Yeah, I think the storyline at the Arnold to me is Mateus. Really, I, you know, I think it's it's one of those shows that. It's nice to see people back to, or at, if we could really kind of get an idea of full strength. You know, it's it's a it's a heavy show. You know, there's a lot going on there. I think I'm more interested, honestly, in the events of this show, uh, which aren't unlike a lot of the shows that we've seen in the past, outside of a couple of them. But you know, I don't put a lot of weight behind the Arnold Pro Men anymore. I just think it's interesting when we find out who's there, and and you know, we can speculate maybe who's going to win particular events in the show itself. I get it's a pretty good prize pool, but ultimately I think the storyline there's Mateus and kind of where he ends up. But, you know, the other guys, I mean, how serious are they taking it? Because the world's strongest man is right around the corner. Yeah. So I think the guys that are not thinking that they can actually win world's strongest man, I think they're going to put a bigger fight during the Arnold. So uh, like no disrespect to people, but like Rob Kearney, I feel like he's always done pretty well at the Arnold, right? I think what was it last year? He was actually leading it after day one because of the squat and everything. Um, so I always see like the Arnold being so close to the worst. You'll see the competitors that don't think they really have what it takes to podium at the world's strongest man. This is this is their show to kind of like shine. So um, I know like Liz and Laws did a breakdown of who they thought was going to be in the podium, and they actually had Mitchell. Uh, Hooper um, winning it all, which was kind yeah. of surprising because, you know, Tom Stoltman's there, but, you know, we don't know where he I, is at his crowd. Loss also yeah. coaches Mitch. So yeah. I feel like, yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. you want your athlete to <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, by the way, I've coached Mitchell Hooper but, this whole time. But, like, yeah, by the way, my, my athlete's not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> not Not a good marketing plan. <laughs> I think Mitchell Hooper, though, he really has had a stellar time. If he can yeah. avoid injury, and he seems to have been a pretty good at avoiding yeah. injury, I think yeah, yeah. Is, is the key. And I think a part of it is I really like that point that you made, Yanni, that like 
it's interesting to watch the Arnold become kind of a backup show for a lot of people. Like if you're really wanting to like get to world's strongest man, you might not even do it. Or you might like, there are certain shows you don't do mm-hmm. and stuff. So I think it'll be interesting. And the women's lineup seems pretty good too, but I definitely put my money on like, I'd like to see Mateusz do better. And Tom, I think it's probably going to be a good battle between Tom, Mateusz and Mitchell Hooper, probably. I mean, oh, Trey, Trey actually, never Trey mind. Mitchell Trey. And, I mean, it's, but it's the um, timber frame carry for, for Mitchell that's going to cost him, though. Which bit, are you talking about Hooper or true or, or Trey? Trey Mitchell? You said Trey Mitchell, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. So Trey Mitchell historically doesn't do very well with the frame carry, and this is strapless. And this is strapless. Sorry, continue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we're all pretty much in, in relative agreement. Uh, I think Mitchell Hooper's had a fantastic year. Um, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how Trey Mitchell does, but yeah. Cooper Kieliskowski, Tom Stoltman, I think will be on on the podium. Yeah, and we'll yeah, see I'll, what I'll we'll see what order. Yeah, I like Mitchell Hooper to win this. Honestly, he's done nothing but impress me. That rookie season he had was amazing, and he's he's built for this show. He's a super strong guy. I would say the one variable in this show is that stupid stone throw. I don't even know what that's about, why they're doing it, um, but I I don't want anybody to lose the show because of that event. And why do I see that happening? I think it's important to throw in events that, you know, people can't really prepare for and train for. Uh, I, I like to know oh, which, which uh, athletes can adapt. I don't want to know just what you've been able to repeat a hundred thousand times. I want to know that you can also adapt to something different and new. Um, but I, I don't, do, I, I don't disagree it, with that. I just wish it wasn't a stone put or whatever it is. I guess. Is, is it just I, a put? I mean, I, I don't know. Unspunning stone throw. I don't know what that means. It's yeah, just a stone throw. So, like, you uh, you have, like, uh, 10 feet of sand in front of you, and then you, like, from the videos that I've seen, you kind of run up with the stone, and then you toss it as far as you can. Ah, okay. Oh, that's hey, why Inez has been doing it. Who's the it. guy at this show? Uh, Tom Stoltman. Okay, Tom Stoltman's winning that win event. I bet you guys he's going to win it. He, he's the tallest I, guy. Of course he's going to win it. Uh, okay, but does he have the speed and power of Mitchell Hooper? Man, I don't know if that. You know what? I did this in I did this in Highland Games once, and maybe this is where I'm a little snake bit by it. Yeah, I was killing this Highland Games competition. And these guys had no business being there with me. I was that guy that day, right? And they had that stupid stone throw, and I'm five foot ten, and this jackass was like six ten. He threw the stone, and it went like seven feet further than me because he just dropped it from a higher point. <laughs> Anyhow, sorry, Yanni. I, I, you're probably the truth right. comes out. No, and I, is, and I think yeah. and I think it's a nice like breather event. It's I I feel, I feel like this is kind of like the competitions that I uh, I'm used to seeing at my level where it's like the sandbag throw. You know what I mean? It's an event. It's not super heavy. It's not going to beat you up, but it's a nice kind of like uh, event to mix it up. Um, I do. One of the things I do enjoy is that the fact that they this time they didn't put the wheel of pain before the deadlift like they did last year. Yeah, that that oh, yeah. was a Good weird point. thing to me to like put because the wheel of pain is just so incredibly taxing. Yes, and everything, and I it's feel like that impacts things. And I think that's why I think I I really want Mateusz to come back and everything, but I know he struggles pretty intensely with the deadlift. 
yeah. and stuff. So I think that whereas like I think Trey Mitchell is surprisingly well rounded if he can get his grip together for the frame carry stuff. Agreed. And I think grip is something you can work okay. on much easier than your deadlift in a way. And yeah, I mean you certainly can make bigger gains in it. That's a fact. Yeah, I agree. If, if we're being fair too, um I mean grip was not always Big Z's strongest point either. Right? And and I mean he was so well rounded and so strong and everything else that that didn't stop it. But if you go back and look at I mean, especially even arm over arm, like he couldn't he couldn't grip the rope half the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. So that's, so that's, that's, so for this though, for Trey, the reason I think it's so detrimental, it's because the guys that he needs to um stay ahead of are also better than him on the deadlift. So then he also loses points on the carry, especially since it's going to be strapless this year because they found they kind of found that sweet spot where it's heavy enough where it's impressive and they can run up with it, but it doesn't require mm-hmm. straps. Right. And Mateus killed that one a few years ago, or last time he competed with that seven-second run, which was stupid fast. That, that, for one, that's an iconic moment before that timber carry because the interviewer specifically asks – um thor she's like she's like that was a big like deadlift like do you think it will affect your grip at all and he's like no my grip's great and then he just sits there the whole time while mateus runs up the ramp in seven seconds and i just like just the timing of that of being like no my grip's great why would the grip be a problem and he just sits there picks it up drops it on one side drops it on the other side and took like 21 seconds for the whole thing and i was like that's just like it was just so funny because the way you dismissed the her concerns about grip he was like why that be an issue and then he just like kept looking at the handle like the handle might be the problem <laughs> so that's a good moment but once again that felt like so many years ago that like i can't even remember yeah i think that's i think Arnold. It had better years back in the heyday for sure. I mean, I don't know what we're going to really see out there, but it's going to be fun. And ultimately, it's it's a big hit for all of us in our community and, and those beyond it, which is a great lens, a great press to our sport. I, I love it for that reason. But I'm more interested in this women's probe, to be honest with you. Yeah. And that's really what I've been thinking a lot about. I, I think we all kind of maybe have. So real quick, I see that Nadia Stowers, I, I know re- I remember in our, our group message we were asking about that. So Nadia Stowers is injured and will not compete. Oh, really? And Stowers will be replaced by Rebecca Roberts. Huh. I got a question, though. Listen, I don't want to sound like a hater because I've met Nadia. She's a very beautiful person. But I don't know why you bow out of the Arnold when you compete at the Ragnarok Games. I, I, I don't know what her reason is behind that, guys, but is it a I bigger got a big paycheck? Mark going up right now. There's is a, it a bigger paycheck? I don't know what the women's strongman Arnold paid, but. Okay. I, I man, Okay. All right. I mean, listen, if $10,000 come to the Ragnarok Games and do nothing, and, and not, I don't know, guys. I, I'm not trying to be controversial here, but I don't know. I'll let Darren do that. But I, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I, I just got some thoughts about that. I don't like it. I just don't like it. You know, no, I, think I mean, a, I think you have a bigger commitment to the sport. I mean, I'm I'm kind of torn on it in the in this sport that it, it's a struggle to make a living to start with. It's a very expensive sport. In some ways, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame her um, to pick up a paycheck because that's gonna that's gonna help her further down the road. But but yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, going in going and being the only person in a weight class, and you know. And you don't want to brag about being about winning your your competition, right? 
So there are some people who do that, and that yeah, always is did that once, and I was like, I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, I got first place in every event. Wow, that is impressive. Yeah. No, it was just me the whole time. Yeah, that's not that's poor form. Um, yeah. Have any of y'all actually talked to Victoria Long? Because I'm amazed at how how ago. dominant she's been, but I've rarely heard of her. You, you know, she's a Joe, you've talked to her. Listen, Victoria, she's she's very soft spoken, as a lot of you guys know. She's very private. Um, I had a great interview with her about a month ago, and I've always been a huge fan. I think I think it hasn't been said enough, and I think we missed it a little bit, even when we were talking about it on our award show that we did together. I think we may have, should have talked about Victoria a little bit more because I think she had the, one of the greatest years ever in, in strong woman. Um, and yeah, I mean, to me, she's the clear favorite going into this show. And I'm not saying specifically on any particular event, but overall, I, I don't think she's got a weakness that I, I think ultimately she'll point everybody to death in the Arnold. I, the, from her competitive history, like on the points, she reminds me a lot about Martine, where she'll win some events, but if she doesn't win, she's still like in the top three for that event. So and very that well, well rounded. That consistency is huge because you have events like I forget, it was one of the Arnold qualifiers or something that um, Maxime Boudreau placed first place in every event and then got last place in one event, and that's because he lo- like that caught, lost him a huge amount of points. Whereas Martins is a smart tactician, a lot like Alexi was. Whereas Alexi will see an event that like might affect your CNS too much, and he might. It seems like sometimes he tactically chooses possibly to not give it his all or do the extra rep he'd need to get first because all you need to do is be, if you're in second place for every single event, that puts you in a way better point standing than to be first place in every event and then only get one point on the last event. And so, so unless, you're, unless you're like Andrew Clayton and you don't yeah. even have to do the last event. <laughs> that dominated <laughs> right, exactly. or that. that was, but yeah. Honor, honorary mention. That's true. For, for Andrew. <laughs> yeah. And also, Inez, I, 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 uh, I have strong hopes for her as like a friend yeah, of the listen, show. I, I Inez, think I think. Right down for who? Inez Carasquillo. right down yes. this lineup. And, yeah. Yeah, she's Did fantastic. This? I think, let me just say this. I, I think you could go right down this lineup, honestly. And, and it's very formidable for uh, the idea that a lot of these women are going to position themselves as point stealers in this because there's some yeah. events that really cater to some of these ladies where others maybe not so much. So you take somebody like Victoria who's you can kind of play that points game a little bit. It it really falls into her lap in that sense. But you look at like Hannah Lindsay, for instance, she'll win that stone put. You watch. She's a Highland Games chick. She's gonna do it. You know, that's what she taller than everybody else. Andrea, <laughs> what's that? Is she taller, is she taller than, than all the rest? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. But, but let me I will say this. And, like Andrea, Andrea and uh Tamara, right? I mean, mm-hmm. who's going to win that? I, I think Andrew's going to win it, but there's another yeah. example of a couple ladies that might be up there in a particular event. I, I don't think you're going to see Andrew Clayton here, obviously, but you're ultimately going to see a very balanced show, I think, that we might see it come down to that iconic last event. And yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the idea, like, um, 
Tamara Walcott being there. I think it'll be interesting to see that, like, as a deadlift specialist, how that translates to other things. Because, like, Cam and I were talking about, like, speculating on how John Hack will perform in other events. Because, like, that static strength is very different than, like, a whole day of, like, a lot of moving, twisting, and all that stuff. So I think that's one thing I'm very interested to see. It's like, I think this is the year where we get to see power lifters probably dominate every deadlift event that they do, but then probably bungle the overhead press and maybe some of the moving events. So I, I don't know. Those I think this thoughts. is a revenge for after they've watched uh, Darren's video. <laughs> All the power lifters are like, oh, okay, we're going to show them up now. Yeah. Um, no, I think tomorrow will do well on the timber frame carry and the elephant bar deadlift. I don't know about the other ones, though, because I haven't seen much of oh her with the lock press. Go ahead. What I saw, what I saw of her pressing, it's atrocious. And unless she's done some like miracle work in the last four <laughs> months, I, I don't expect to see her even. Honest to God, well, that log. It's her first like event, so I'm still excited for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm and I think for it's well. good for the show because I think some people are mad that she's like not a strong woman to be there. But I think we need to like see how everyone does. Oh, she's a strong woman. Yeah. Or yeah, but like they some people are like, oh, you need to be like in this sport. So I think this will be an interesting yeah. year to see how overall athleticism compares to like sport specific strength. That drives me nuts actually when people get on that like gatekeeper shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Strongman, strongman was again getting back to the spirit of the sport, it was it was to see who the strongest was from all kind different sports right and and there's nothing that's more uh uh unique to strongman than having non-strongman people coming in to compete in this sport and because it, it it's about who's the strongest right it's not who's the who's the, who's the most uh experienced in all these events per se right so i actually like when uh powerlifters or highland games or CrossFitters or anybody comes in and, and competes because it, it's a really good kind of a barometer, if you will, for, you know, how, how well strongman athletes are, are really doing against other sports. Because I, I, I mean, again, another strong opinion, I've brought this up before is that we've got, we've got world records in strongman and relative lifts like the deadlift is a good example where powerlifters are doing it with no suit, no straps, in the same relative weight class, much heavier, right? So, Joe will leave again if you say something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's like, I'm not this shit again. He's like, I've heard it before. And I, I do like this. The, the light team versus the team of darkness is a nice format. Yeah. I well, actually, like I actually turned my light down because I didn't want to be the brightest one in the <laughs> – Podcast. No, every time I see John's screen, it makes me think of the uh, movie poster for Kong versus Godzilla because they have blue and yeah. red. So every time I look over it, yeah. Yeah, because the contrast thing. Yep. Like, it's, it's a handy thing. Joe, yeah, you're back. Um, but Joe, I'm, back. I'm sorry, guys. You I might need to sit on, on the roof of your vehicle so you can get better signal. You know, I don't, I don't know what's I – I can't. I got to go back in there and make sure that everything's taken care of. You know, there's no uh, yeah. rowdies in there. Yeah, um, I don't know. So you are guarding a strip club. 
What? I didn't say that. What are you talking about? <laughs> y'all, y'all want to jump to the world's strongest man? Because I know there's even oh, yeah. like more news now because of um, Mark Felix also announcing that this is his uh, retirement year. Oh. oh, what a great year this is going to be. Yeah, I told, I told, I'm yeah. so excited about this year more than any other year right now, honestly. Nick, I mean, there's so, so many great names uh, on the roster for this year. Yeah, so uh, one of the big call-outs for me are going to be, I think Tom Stoltman still like the big draw because obviously he's won it two years. He has the potential to be one of two comp- uh, athletes ever to win it three times in a row. I know he took a long break, and then a lot of people were giving him a hard time for that. I don't think it's going to really bother him too much. But seeing Mateus um, also be competing there, uh, Brian Shaw, you know, his last hurrah, um, I'm excited for these events. And then also the improvements from competitors like Mitchell Hooper and uh, Trey Mitchell, who, you know, made the finals last year. And then maybe Luke Stoltman will get something besides seventh place. Because he's gotten that three years in a row now. Yeah. Always a bridesmaid. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting show. One thing I'm not a fan of is I don't like when they use um, they use heats to disqualify people. Because, like, unless you have a really good heat to, like, like those things where you have be just against five athletes. And if you have a stacked heat, you have athletes who get disqualified who I think could have made it there. So I don't know. I'm not a big it, fan of that. It's that I, it's ironic that you bring that up. So I was just talking to Tyler Purdue about this today. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he's got he's got a really logical and awesome way that he's setting heats up for clash. Um, but yeah, I've often I, I've i for a long time. I think it's it's almost obvious and unfortunate. It seems that that WSM. It seems like they do stack their heats in a way to push specific people forward. Um, and I guess it's probably getting harder with the level of competition that that's there now, but, but yeah, it would be nice to know how they're, how they're actually structuring it. Uh, I'd like to see some transparency on that as a, as a fan. Is there, I I, I don't know. You might be waiting a long time. I don't think there's going to be any transparency over that. I I agree with you. There never will be. I've made that. (laughs) Yeah, there's not. I, I, I've made the same sort of statements on my shows many times. Unless they do that qualifier 30 guys deep, you know what I mean? Give them all the same events in the same day because your scoring is going to all be calculated together. I don't look at this as a legitimate at all. It's stacked for sure. I still enjoy the show. I think it's a mainstay in our strongman community. and has been for 40 years. But if they really want to legitimize this, they're going to have to. Otherwise, it's just a television show. It's not really – anything much more than that to me um you know these guys are yeah they're the strongest guys in the world make no mistake but i don't know are are we really seeing the top 10 compete i I don't know if we are do you you think having a ranking like actual having like your top 30 athletes and based on the top 30 athletes that are ranked then you kind of go like all right one two three four you're the leads of one heat and then two uh what is it two sorry uh five six seven eight fill out the next roster and then that's how you fill it in automatically so that way there's transparency uh based on the standings if there were some kind of like official standings like that yeah it'd be kind of cool to see but i I think to joe's point though i mean he's absolutely he's pretty pretty spot on 
um, with the, how the heats and I mean, John too, that they don't, they don't always um, get the best athletes into the finals. Uh, I think the cream tends to rise to the top still, but in 20, the first clash, I took the time to go and, and score all of the athletes as one group versus heats. And I think there was, there was, there was certainly at least two guys that wouldn't have even been close to top 10 had it been scored together that made it into finals. Right. Yep. Um, and it, and it, it's kind of like, it, it, it's the way it was structured and it is what it is. But at the end of the day, it's like, we, we want to have the best guys in the finals, not somebody that slips through because they had a heat where, you know, everybody bombed two events, right? <laughs> but none of the other heats did. <laughs> and that's that's also what throws me off is like the heats, they're all doing the exact same events. So why not just use a scoring system across the thing? Like it yeah. makes sense to put people in groups rather than yeah, like sure. just, but the because that's what's throwing me off. It's like, can you, because here's how they'll do it. They'll do this bizarre thing where you have a heat of five guys you've never heard of. And then they'll have a heat where they're like, oh, it's Trey Mitchell Brian Shaw, Tom Stoltman, and the Bobby like Thompson. two guys who would have been yeah Bobby Thompson. Yeah. And you're like, wait, so you have the these group guys. of death. <laughs> yeah, like you have these guys because um, Luke Davies had a great point where he said that um, that actually that he made the good point that there are a lot of these events that are large pro level shows many of like half the people wouldn't have even made it to the podium at OSG or an event like that. They just happened to like get lucky and go through. And I think that hurts the sport because I get that it's fun to have like this heat that like we all watch, but I've never understood the heat that I'm like, wait, so you have a universal scoring system for these 30 athletes, but then you bizarrely just break it up in chunks of five, just based on physical low proximity at the time. And it's just like, I just don't, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me because like you've said of like having that thing where you have athletes who, if it was scored properly, shouldn't have been anywhere near there. Charmaine has a habit of doing stuff like this though. Um, I can't, I can't remember if it was, I think it was OSG or maybe it was America's Strongest Man when they, when they took that, and I guess I don't know. I didn't see if they've done it this year, but um, where they had the top ten and they and they just they 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 readjusted the scores with some kind of like factoring. It wasn't just simply one, two, three, four, and like that was a score you started with in the order that you went to finals in. But I remember looking at it, and the way that they did the scoring made it mathematically impossible for like the the the, the five, fifth through tenth to win. I don't know if it was fifth, but it was like certainly the tip, like the ninth and tenth guy. I just go back and look at it. But they, if they would have just left the scores alone, there would have been a possibility, right? It, it may, may not have been probable, but there would have been a possibility for somebody that was in tenth place to come in at first. But they changed the scores in such a way that it made it mathematically impossible. And I was just like, I was pulling my hair out. I'm like, what, what were you guys thinking? Why did you do this? And and I actually made some comments online about it. People were like, oh, it's just, just so they can, you know, showcase the that they're top ten. I'm like, but you're there to win. You took their chances to win away from them. Yeah. Stop fucking with the scores. Yeah, I, never... I don't know what I missed, but I think uh, Tyler Purdue came up with a really good system. <laughs> he came up with a really good system for Clash, and maybe we, maybe you guys should have him on, or one of us should share that. Uh, he explained it to me as well, Darren, and I appreciated that. Score. 
the way he had done that. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, with the world's strongest man, I'm not – I don't know. I'm just excited to see Sean and Mark Felix. And, so I'll uh, be interviewing Tyler here in a couple of days. So I'll, I'll like ask that. him how he came up with the heats. Yeah, definitely do. It's uh, it's good. It's good for transparency, and, and you know, and I told him too that. I mean, it's good that the athletes know how it goes, um, because I know I've been to to shows, um, before, and and you order, you know, that's supposedly randomized. You're like, how did how did that come about? You know, especially when you're like, you're the you're the first person to go every event or something stupid like that. You know, was, was that fair or was that some bias? You know, and, and so there's got to be, I think for the athletes in the very least, there's got to be some transparency to know that everybody's on a fair playing field. Yep. Agreed. Totally. Hey, listen, I, I blew this show up for you guys and I apologize for all my stupid phone shit. But, uh, no, I know man, it's all right. I'm going to let Did you guys finish it off, but I'll just no. give you a little taste of where I'm at here. <laughs> Welcome to oh, Teasers. Teasers. Yeah. Flint, Michigan, how's the water? Oh, it's shitty. No. <laughs> it makes for great ice in somebody's drink, I'm sure. But just throwing bad. salt in the wounds there, man. <laughs> I know. I, I, I couldn't help it. But here's what, here's one thing before you go. I would yeah. say next time, if you hold your camera in the vertical mode, it films well. And if you carry a pair of headphones with a mic with you, it actually cuts out a lot of the outside sound. Yeah, so, so having like a nice yeah. pair of headphones, like just yeah. to keep on your glove box or something. Oh, so I have a pair of headphones. You never that. know what's going to happen. I appreciate yeah. that. You're part of your emergency survival kit, Jill. Apparently, now that's a part of it. Thanks for dealing with me today, but I got to run. Yanni, I'll oh, yeah. see you in less than a month, but I'm sure we'll all chat online this week. Talk yes. to you guys later. All right. Have a good night, Jill. Nice yeah. Bye. All right. Not to, not to, you know, you know, hate on on where he's at, but I I, I looked it up on Yelp, and it only has one star. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! One star or one dancer? That's a star. There's no, there's star dancer. It's got three reviews, and it's only one star. <laughs> oh, so man. so. Wait, um, let me read this real quick, real quick. I'm so sorry. I gotta read this. If I could put negative stars, I would. This place is the worst thing ever. If you're from out of state, you have a better chance of murdering someone than getting into this bar. I couldn't imagine a worse place to be with trying to show someone Chicago and what it's like. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. Joe's, Joe's, Joe's hard as a hard bouncer, man. He yeah, just doesn't let anybody in. I hope Joe's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Keep going, Darren. I got sidetracked there. <laughs> well, I was going to say something that's probably too controversial. I'm gonna, I'm just going to put a cap on it. Yeah. No, you no. Know, so what we what we went over there was just we want more transparency and consistency when it comes to how the heats are chosen. Like um, John was talking about, uh, there's no point of having a group of death that's purposely chosen versus kind of like we were maybe thinking that it could work if you had a ranking of like your top 30 world strongest man and then going one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. seven, eight, and then just filling it out like that. Cause I think that would be more even and you don't want to accidentally, um, not give you know five through ten like darren was saying the opportunity to actually qualify because like we saw bobby thompson having to go against brian shaw on a stone off and then even though he was he did better than some of the uh some of the athletes in two of the other heats yeah because that just throws me off like i just don't understand what logic when you're using a universal score system why do that like it's a it would be a bizarre thing of like 
if you were testing a bunch of people and you just broke them into groups and you just decide who does best out of that group versus like <laughs> the only people. The only caveat to that though, I mean, if you break them into groups and then still score them all together, straw man being a points and strategy game, it, it really puts the first group at a disadvantage, right? They just have to go balls to the wall or if there's like, I mean, unless you're able to do all of the events at the same time in, in like five different lanes or something, I mean, then you're just doing a big group, right? But you know what I mean? If one group goes, the first one, if the first group, if one group goes first, they're at a disadvantage because they don't know what everybody else is doing. And then the last group, the fifth group goes, they have a big advantage, which makes it kind of unfair too, right? Yeah. But that's every so, competition. So better off if you're going to do a group score that they have to group, they have to compete together, right? Do they? I'm confused because aren't because regardless of the competition that you do, if you're one of the first ones to go, you are at a disadvantage because you don't know what what uh, what to be. That's why I love the fact I I love competitions that reset the um the yeah. order based on how you absolutely. Get. Yeah, because that because then if you if you go to a competition, then for example, like I I like I I know for a fact that one of the competitions that I won at was because I was the last one to go every single event because they wouldn't change it. Yeah, so I could strategize, save my energy when I knew I uh, I could. Versus yeah. I felt bad for like the first person because like you had to just go balls out to have any chance because you don't know what the other people were going to be able to do. So yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a horrible, that's a, I hate that, man. I'm like, I'm a huge stickler for certain kind of traditional things like that. That's to me, that's strongman reverse scoring shouldn't be in every single show. And it drives me nuts when people skip it and they skip it for reasons that never make sense to me. Like they're like, it's too hard or it takes too long. I'm like spreadsheet will do it for you in like a click of a button. Like, how is that hard for you? Like, and then just, I mean, communicating it maybe back to your, field staff but so, so it's because there's there's so many weight classes that you're trying to yeah. keep track of and you don't want to change the order and it's actually faster just to keep the same order throughout so another reason to go to less weight classes per competition so the quality yeah. improves <laughs> now now clash didn't reverse um i don't know if they will this time in the past they didn't but it had something more to do with production i think uh at least that was the reasoning that we were given and, and I can't remember, Anthony explained it once, and, and I don't recall the exact uh, breakdown, but there was there was some production issue with the reversing um, that they had decided to, to, to not roll with it. But but again, they were doing everything else so damn well, doing competitions in two and a half, three hours with, you know, small, small field of, of single class athletes and putting out a good production. I mean, I'm looking forward to it being even more efficient because they're taking out the record setters. Portion yeah, of the yeah, for sure. Uh, I didn't ask y'all who do y'all have? Uh, do y'all have any, uh, like a front runner for world's strongest man? Like, who do you think is gonna be your top three? Man, again, I gotta put Mitchell Hooper up there. I, I think he's gonna be on the podium. I really do. Um, okay. Tom Stoltman, certainly. Third is tough. Man, I don't know. I mean, you think Mitch's going to win it? Or are you just. No, I think he's going to get a podium. I, okay. I never, I rarely like go out and say exact order. Um, but I mean, Trey Mitchell's got a very good chance to be on the podium. 
I think a second or a third is very, very much within Mitch's uh, reach. Yeah, I think I think that I'd agree with that lineup. Like, I think the the Mitchells will do well, both Trey and yeah. Her. So I I'm feeling pretty confident about them. I'll just make a side note that Gavin Bilton looks like Mitchell Hooper, but with hair. That's like a side yeah. point I'm going to make <laughs> like, in this like it looks like Mitchell Hooper trying to put on a disguise. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a little Easter egg if anyone looks at the lineup. But, okay, yeah, he kind of does. I just saw it. Yeah, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, the <laughs> tattoos kind of give it away, but yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, Martins, I'm also, I, I like, so I would say the Mitchells will interchange them, and then Martins. I think Alexi's still been doing pretty great. It's hard to say, though. Now I'm like, we're getting out of this territory of top three is really hard to guess. Dude, it's so hard. I mean, Matthews in, in good form, definitely a competitor for the uh, podium. Do y'all think Evan Singleton will finish the competition this time? I hope he does, man. I, I really like Evan. Uh, I, I had the good fortune of meeting Evan last year in Hilton Head. He actually gave me a ride from the airport. Super dude, super good dude. Um, great guy. I, I wish the very best for him. I hope he does well. I hope he, I mean, I know he's been working really hard. He's been through some injuries, some ups and downs. Uh, I, I really hope that he that he goes goes and does his best. And and I mean, I'd like to see him in the finals. I really do. And and nothing against Evan. I'm not sure that he's he's ready to be a, a podium finisher, but um, guys come out out of the woodworks and surprise us all the time. Yeah, I I would say sometimes I think if Evan were smarter about certain training things that he does based on some things that I've heard and everything, I think he might do a little bit better than he does at times. Like I think sometimes, but Mateusz is the same way. Mateusz just, I would say overtrains of like, I, uh, at least based on like talking to Darren and stuff, I think there's very rarely ever a reason why you should ever go above 90% of competition weight and training. And I've seen some of these athletes will be like comp weight for this many reps or whatever. And you're like, why, why right now? Well, I mean, on one hand, I, I mean, know. if you can, if you can, right. It's fine. I mean, if, if comp weight is, you know, 80 percent of your one rep max, then by all means, but, yeah. but you're right. I mean, there's no point in pushing yourself to a max day in day out. I mean, it, it, it provides uh certainly diminishing returns and and risk of injury so yeah so i i mean i think he still has high hopes i think maxime is someone who like i'll admit like i said i he seemed super promising but he has some serious achilles heel things of like that deadlift is pretty detrimental like i don't see you winning an event if you're zeroing any event, like you need to be able to be in the top five of every event you do to be competitive. And I think that's where um, Trey Mitchell shines as he can pretty consistently stay. He's never really below fifth on anything. It seems like so that I think can keep you competitive. I think I mean, it would be kind of nice to see if like Mark Felix Felix can give us one last big show. And of course, Brian Shaw retiring 
just in time for Hathor to rejoin the game. It's interesting. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, was like right. I mean, Thor is much younger than Brian is too. So I think he's like three years younger though. No. How, no. how old is Brian Shaw? He's, he's in his forties now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. People time ages. Cause he was in his thirties just like five years ago. But <laughs> Thor's 41. Oh, whoa. Yeah, Thor's only yeah. like 30. He's like one, my age, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, okay. So that makes sense. I, I was being a little bit too hard on him. 34. He's my age. Yeah, he's 34. There you go. Okay. Yeah. That's a big I mean, difference. He's getting into his prime. I mean, I think Thor's most formidable years are ahead of him, honestly. Yeah. I would say, especially, I think it's actually going to be a huge benefit to him, the fact that he's become a very well-rounded athlete. I think that oh, is conditioning's going to be, not going to be a, a game-changer <laughs> and stuff. And I think that's, so that's what I'm going to be really interested in, is the half-throw we'll see in 2024 and everything. That's going to be a force to be reckoned with yeah. and everything. So I think it's hard looking at this lineup, though. It's like... I, it would be hard to nail down a top three, but I can, I can, I, I'd like to list who I like. I can kind of guess who I think would be should be the last ten standing. Yeah, that heat system can completely mess that up because every time there's like four people you don't. Know. Well, I mean, again, I think Cream rises to the top for the most part. I mean, Tom Saltman's going to be there. I think Mitchell Huber, Trey Mitchell, um, Bobby Thompson. I think Matthias. That's five. Luke will make it. Brian will make it. I think Luke will make it. No, Alexei Novikov? Oh, oh Alexei, sorry. Alexei will make it. Who am I missing? Maybe a wild card for nine. I mean, Kevin Ferries. Kevin Ferries, yeah, he's been doing really well. I, I could see him being a final in the finals again. Constantine has been... Did What's you say that? you wanted Evan though to get to the finals? No, I mean, I said I, I think Evan can. Um, I mean, but he's got to stay healthy, of course. Um, you know, he's had some some trials and tribulations leading up to this, so um, we'll see if Evan can stay healthy. I think Evan definitely has the Look, there's a lot of guys on this list that can make finals. Yep. Sweet. Yeah. I would agree with that. It's gonna be, it's gonna be real interesting if we can have everyone there together and stuff like that. I mean, they've got seven. No, what do they have? Eight weeks left yeah. to to worlds. So mm-hmm. I mean, a lot can happen in that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there could still be some some uh, change ups. So wait, so when's World's Strongest Man happening again? What's the date? April. It's April. April 19th to 23rd. Yeah. And hopefully they can like get actual video out before December. That'll be great. (laughs) But that's also what threw me off. It's like, I feel like last year or two years ago, they had like all the big shows were within six months of each other. And I'm like, you have a year. Like I think I wish they'd space them out a bit more because that's also a strange thing that I've noticed. I mean, World Star has been used to be later in the year, but ever since they started doing it in the U S uh, it seems like they've moved it up, and and I don't know if that's for better weather or 
whatever I guess it is. Rogue doesn't want it to eat into their invitational. So, and Rogue is now running it. So, yeah, it maybe. Let me ask you a point. So, because Rogue, Rogue sets the standard for everything. I feel like, as far as like business, like practices and stuff, like they're very much like know what's happening. And I think I would say Yanni is right that like having a more diverse group does attract more people. But I think we do need to get to the point of having better run live shows and actual audience engagement because it's crazy to have to explain to people who don't understand how strongman works how things are going because there's not a little box in the corner telling them how things are going osg with those big digital counters that was brilliant even those little flip cards that show the weight that's great and then you'll have these like huge shows where if you didn't hear the announcer mention the weight you don't know what it is you like have to just kind of guess whatever funky bar they're on you're like, I guess that funky bar and seven plates, eight plates. I don't know what that translates to. So that would be my note. It's like, I just space them out more. If even the pro level people are putting them within a month or two of each other, I'm like, that's weird to me. I don't know. That was, that was just my last thoughts. And I'm yeah, excited no. that, yeah, that you got invited to be the MC for Clash. How did that happen exactly? So last year, I, for my first time ever, before that, I had just been commentating with ADL Live, and I usually commentated uh, with Gabe Pena, which I'm surprised didn't actually make, get an invite. So um, I know he's training and, and still staying prepared in case he has to jump in as an alternate. Um, but yeah, so I started there. Then somebody um, asked me to be the MC for the clash of the under 64 kilos women's division last April. I loved it. And then I ended up being the MC for the South regionals. Um, and big thank you to Derek Owens on that one. Cause he's the one who asked me for that one. So very appreciative of the opportunity. And then I emceed like the circus of strength. I emceed the um, American hero classic. And then Tyler circled back this year and asked me if I'd be open to emceeing this competition since um, we had talked about potentially doing more shows last year. Nice. So you, awesome. you've, got some, you've got some good experience and it's leading to two big shows, man. That's awesome. I love it because one of the things that I always appreciate from a competition is when the competition is run very efficiently. And I've realized that when the MCs on top of it, like the show goes quicker, the audience appreciates it. The, the audience in the live stream appreciates it. Um, and then the athletes appreciate it. Cause I, I tell them straight up, it's like, Hey, I want to move this as quickly as possible because the less time you spend getting cold uh, between events, the healthier you're going to be uh, throughout the event, the sooner you can go home and start eating and drinking all the beer that a lot of them like to drink right after. Um, and then um, it just runs everything. Everything just runs smoother and it's a better quality. So that's why mm -hmm. I push the pace when I am the MC because I want that quality. I want the, that efficiency. And then you marry that with how Clash taught me how to do it with that first event because we did the that first one we did it in two hours and a half. That's nuts, man. And it was for the 64. And then literally like the ladies were finishing one event and it was like you were warming up for the next event. And I love that because I think it's so yes. much better. Yeah. So yeah, uh, from and, a, especially from an audience perspective, man, it's so much better. Yep. So much better. Yep. So me, because of that experience and then just seeing how um, Tyler helped put that show together, um, 
but and then with uh, Chris Close over there at Metroflix at the time, like that's that's why I want to replicate as consistently as possible. So that's why I enjoy being an MC. Nice, dude. That's, that's exciting, man. I can't wait to watch. Again, I wish I was I was gonna be there, but uh, I will definitely be watching. Uh, I'm I'm a huge. I've been a huge Clash fan from from the get go. I love everything that they've done. Um, you know, I mean, still big props to Anthony Furman for for kickstarting it. Huge prop to Tyler for taking it taking it on um, and you know continuing the the legacy. Uh, I mean, they've done amazing amazing things for the sport and and I think I think if any if anything is going to really advance the sport, I, I think it's Clash. I really do. I mean, their format, their passion. Um, I mean, everything they're doing is 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 pretty spot on. Yep, agreed. So I'm I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. Um, if y'all have any questions, y'all want me to ask Tyler, shoot him over. I'm more than happy to ask yeah. him. Um, and then uh, if there's any athletes, so I'm gonna try to do uh, record some of the athletes while I'm there. Um, I think it, it'd be cool to kind of follow just one specific athlete. So if there's like an athlete, you'd be like, Hey, it'd be kind of cool to follow their story for the weekend. Please let me know. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm kind of tossing that idea around about like potentially just following one athlete when I'm not emceeing. I think that would be cool. Um, from, from the show perspective, I'd like to hear from all the athletes. I think it's really important to give them all a little bit of a platform at, if you can during the show, right after, after the, after the event, as soon as they go, Put a microphone in front of them. Ask them some, you know, really intelligent, structured questions. Let them give them a chance to, to answer. Right? Of course, focus on the guys that are winning, but give everybody an opportunity to 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 be heard. Yeah, I think so, it's super important. They all deserve to be there. They're the best of the best. They all worked their asses off to be there. They all deserve a little bit of a little bit of time in in front of the camera and and on the microphone. Um, that's what I would love to see more of is, is giving these guys a, an opportunity to speak and showing them that, that, that they're, uh, that they're valued. And, and I think there's no better way to do that than, than to, to talk to them and, and give them that opportunity to be seen. Um, it's huge. So one of the things that, uh, Don did a great job with letting me and Gabe do was in between events, like when they were switching over to either another weight class, we would ask like some of the top two performers to come mm -hmm. onto the stream and talk to us about what the event felt like, how they were feeling and after what kind of let up, like a quick five minute quip of with them. And the, that was that have one of the most positive responses from the people that were following on the live stream. Because remember, for a lot of these people, this is they want to build that connection that carries them from competition to competition. Yeah, you got to build that relationship. You got to build up that story because a lot of our favorite athletes is not just because they can do great things physically. That's what gets your attention, but what keeps you there is the relationship you build with the stories that the stream streaming 100%. services um, help you build. So that yeah. yes. I love that idea. Yep. 100%. I think that's huge because you'd be surprised how much more engaged people are if they know the athletes who are competing and they know yep. the scores of what's actually happening. Yep. Like it's always been surprising to me of how many shows you don't see that or they'll have like the MC will just be like making their own jokes and trying to do audience interaction. That's like engage the audience by helping the athletes and stuff. Like that's what excites people. So I love that idea, the fact that you and Gabe were doing that. Well, that's really also why I like uh, all the podcasts that are coming out, because I think this is going to give our the athletes that aren't used to being in front of a camera some practice runs. Because just as an, uh, Bob, 
Bob, get get Bob in front of the camera. Make him make him do it. I I say Bob because I because I know he's like he's one of those people that's like he's just he's stubborn. He doesn't want to get in front of the camera. <laughs> no. So the, the, what I was gonna say was like the example here is Cam. So I interviewed Cam. Um, and then he was so like, you could tell he was just super nervous. We still had a great interview, but you could still have, but then I saw him on John's, uh, podcast and I loved that. Like he seemed so much more relaxed. Like he was, uh, he was like so much more comfortable. And even his, like, I joked around with his wife. Like I messaged him. It's like, Hey, he's not rubbing his arm. Like he was this time. And he's like, Oh yeah, he did so much better this time. But again, we we're the ones that are going to give all these athletes that practice to be better at sharing their stories yeah. as they progress into this sport. Yeah. I think what, one of the first things that um, when I when I first did my first uh, SCL show, um, the uh, the producer then said to me, um, actually it was a producer, or was it, it was Marcel, who I think is actually one of the co-directors of SCL. He told me he's like, being being a great athlete is is one thing, but um how, what did he say uh, I, I, i'm trying to remember exactly what he said um you know being strong is one thing but to be a great athlete you have to be good in front of the camera he said something to that effect right you have to develop both right you have to be a showman you have to be uh you know uh, uh personable you know and, and and show people your you know another side of you and have good character because just to be an athlete you have to be both right being strong is one thing, but to be a great athlete, you have to be a showman also. And that's why you see some guys like in the World's Strongest Man and SCL, you know, they're maybe not the greatest athletes, but they keep getting invites back or to other shows because they're great showmen. Mm -hmm. Like Rob Kearney is a great showman. Yeah. Like people who have those social media things. Did we lose? Yanni, yeah, are you there? The darkness has consumed him too. I think we lost. I think we lost our last guest. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> that's what happens when we go for an hour and forty minutes. It's true. I was like, I'll, I'll just check they just the... start falling like flies. Okay. No, I think we might have actually lost him. Unless I'll just message him real quick, just in case, just so we can give proper. Oh, oh he's back. Go. All right, my battery is dying though, so we do need to end this a little oh, yeah. bit. No, I, so, yeah, we've but, gone yes. we've gone way past the time we normally do. So <laughs> Oh, I'm I, sure you can edit out like the first 45 minutes because we went off on the biggest <laughs> end. So so real quick, um, so yes, uh being a good athlete is a good start, but to um be a good sports entertainer, that's where you really have to be able to build a connection with the audience. That's the yeah. reason I'm here because I was literally yelling Kobe as I was throwing like this big old sandbag on a podium. Um, and I was making the audience laugh. And Don was like, Hey, do you want to talk in front of the, for, in front of the live stream with the commentator? And then I ended up talking on there for 45 minutes and that's how I got this opportunity. And then um, a lot of the reason people remember me from competitions, not because I'm winning, it's because um, like I'm trying to crack jokes with the judges. I'm trying yeah. to just entertain people because eight hours of a competition can get a little boring. So yes, absolutely. We have to shine the, 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 uh, the light on the personalities, you know, that make up the, the, the athletes in this sport. Cause yeah. it really is a game changer. Like it was surprising of the first time that Cam and I actually talked and everything. 
he was like, he was like, this is the first interview I haven't been nervous for. And he did so well at it that I was like, I didn't even think that like, I thought he had been doing podcasts all the time and everything. Like, I was no, I think I was his first one. I think I was his yeah, first one too. First one. Um, and that's what surprised me that I was, he yeah. hasn't done very many. Cause I gave him, and I was honest with him after I was like, Hey, you got to be comfortable being yourself because you have a great story to tell. You have a great support system. Um, so be, you people don't realize that everybody does have a story to tell. Um, and you just have to be confident in telling it um, for it to actually come through. You can't be nervous about your story. There's there's a lot of really good stories out there. Yeah, yeah definitely. Just, be, just be real. That's kind of my thing. Like, as soon as you try, start trying to impress other people, then you kind of, you're putting the facade up, right? You're not being... Not being true to yourself, you're not being truthful to anybody. Yeah, so just be yourself. That's kind of my thing. I always kind of feel like not not I'm not gonna be everybody's cup of tea, but you can be a lot of people's shot of tequila though. Let's go. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any final words for us? Aztec gold, the cheapest of cheap tequilas. That's me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I would say I'm like searchers, they're for everyone. If we want to get controversial, yeah. what's the Zercher? <laughs> the Zercher, it's just it's just a lift that Darren and I do. I thought you were talking about alcohol, and I was like, I haven't heard that one. I was like, that sounds true. like a that sounds it's like a, a secret vodka. one. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's special, but yeah, no, I think I think it's good of getting all these things out there, and I think that Darren, when he said that, I was like. Yeah, this is one of the only sports where, for some reason, we don't care about scoreboards and we don't care about the athletes, which is bizarre because the whole point of sports is scores and the people who do them. And that's mm -hmm. the main thing. It's like while some people don't like the politics of like being good with people and everything, at the end of the day, it's an entertainment business. Like you're trying to serve the consumer. And what serves the consumer best is having fun people to watch of like, Darren is remarkably entertaining and claims that he's not always like, and he's like, no, he's the best at this and stuff. So I'm like, it's, it's good to like watch people really be the best. Cause I think Darren's super charismatic. This I'm is just, I'm just a genius in the body of a clown. <laughs> but in clown world, you can be kidding. That's a quote. Does anybody, do any of you guys know who said that? No, or what, or what movie it's from? No. I feel bad now. Now I want to Google it. But so I don't know. It's, I, okay, I, I don't know 100% sure that the person actually said it. But it, it, it's in the movie The Doors, Val Kilmer playing Jim Morrison. Huh. I need to see that one again. I, I haven't seen this. Dropping, dropping old school quotes on you guys. That's true. You got an age flex on us. Yeah, I do have an age flex on you. <laughs> I looked that up and all that came up was insane clown posse. Oh, oh I, I got Pennywise. Pennywise was what I got. Pennywise. Go watch the movie The Doors. It's great. Val okay. Kilmer. Val Kilmer's a great actor in general. Yeah. Underrated. Agreed. We did do Trash or Treasure, but he's a treasure. Yes. I'll be done. All right, guys. Yeah. I, I do need to go, though, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's call that a night. Thanks. Yeah. Final words are good night. All right. Good night, guys. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Yanni. Pleasure, man. Right. Have a wonderful evening. I'll see y'all next month. Bye, everybody. Right. Support us on Patreon or Anchor and find us on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs>